We're going to transition to talking about the second half of human resource management. And so primarily on Tuesday, we talked about volunteers, the volunteer side of human resource management. This time, we're going to talk more about the staff or the employee side. And in many ways, you know, for you all, like potential jobs that you're going to get. That's why I asked you to send me your, your resume and this ideal job that you could have. The first thing I want to focus on is this idea of working on teams. And so probably throughout many of your classes, you've had opportunities to work on teams or even in work situations, you've worked on teams. And I'm curious, just generally speaking, what's your experience been like working on teams, either team projects in different classes or teams in the workplace, which has been some of your experiences, yeah. You have good people around you that push you, challenge you in different ways, then the outcome is much better as well as the experience is much better. Uh -huh. You are not put forth and do not care about what they're doing or do not help you out in different ways. If you use the strengths for the best quality, then the experience is terrible and the outcomes might not happen the way that it should. Uh -huh. And also, does it correlate with whether you were put on a team or whether you selected a team? Or Yeah. And that's sort of a reality, too. Like, sometimes you'll get to choose your team, and other times you'll be assigned to a team. I mean, I think in this class, you sort of got to choose. You got to size people up or sort of say, okay, we have similar interests or... This seems like someone I could work with, but in other situations, you just get assigned, and it's like that's your team, that's who you're working with. Any other experiences working on on teams that just things that you observe about yourself or yeah? Oh, for a job, I was uh, we were selected into different groups of partners to choose which groups we were in, but from that experience, I was able to assess myself and know and just kind of realize my strengths and my weaknesses and. I kind of understood that each of our skills and abilities contributed in a good way to the, the result or the product of our mission or what we were trying to do. So I kind of felt like it, it worked out well, but it was also pretty stressful at the same time. Stressful in what sense? Like? It was hard to, it was just kind of hard to work, to try to understand like the other person, what the other person was trying to do, like in terms of like their mission and know what they were trying to get out of out of the plane mm -hmm. and I was solely focused on it, doing it this way like I uh -huh. I just wanted to for them to have fun and play basketball but maybe somebody else was more focused on it like patient and you get what I'm saying. Yeah, different so, priorities yeah. and values. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Other people's experience with, with working on teams, yeah. I found that if there's like a real outcome that you can result from the group work, it, uh -huh. the group work is a lot more smooth. So uh -huh. like in like case competitions, I feel like my groups have been much more like ready to, you know, work really hard. If we can see that like there's an our idea has thing a, that you're yeah, there's like a potential to win this case. Whereas one idea that we had, like another case competition where we didn't really believe in the idea, we didn't really think that we would like win the competition. Mm -hmm. It just you know, there was no motivation to really sure. work for it. So you kind of more so go through the motions. Mm -hmm. So all these dynamics that you are experiencing in your teams with these types of projects translate into the real world work experience. Like you're going to have teams with team members that you don't get along with, or you're working on a project that you think is kind of pointless. Like you might think, I agree, like a lot of the class assignments don't really manifest into anything real, but you'll be on in organizations where you'll have committees and teams and you're working out where you're like, it doesn't matter. And the outcome isn't going to produce anything tangible necessarily to the motivation as well. In terms of differences in work style, like again, with the teams, 
What are differences in work styles that you observe where you're like, oh, yeah, that really helped our team or that really hurt our team or that really divided our team? What are some differences that you observe? Yeah. I work in the band department as a librarian, and there's three of us. And the work isn't we work together, it's you figure out the time when we can get it done, and so if somebody can get it before the other, you just let us know. And communication is a huge, mm-hmm. like, it could be asset, but it also, like, can set us back if somebody isn't clear on what they did. Sure, yeah. And so, according to work styles, there's one of us that will go in when she has time, but she thinks that she should just knock it out without relying on the other two knowing that we can. Uh-huh. So when I go in, most of my work is redoing what she had tried to do because uh-huh. she thought that she could just get it done. Sure. She came out very sloppy. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then that's a reflection on all three of us, not just her. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of like what I do when I go in is just having to redo what she thought she was going to get us ahead that got us behind. So it's just like something that we've always noticed and you can't really ever stop to stop her unless our like boss finds her. But that's a whole other story. Sure. Right. And I, yeah, I imagine even with some of these teams or other teams that you're on, there's there's some people who are free riders. They're just kind of, they're riding along for free, whereas the other members of the team are doing a bulk of the work. I will ask, I think at next week I'll ask, like, what percent did you contribute and what percent did the rest of the team members contribute to get a sense for levels of contribution. But still, in general, you can have teams where people are more slack and where others are, are much more on top of it. Any other differences in work styles that, that you observe where you're like, oh, this is interesting that this always seems to happen on teams that I'm a part of? Well, and that's a big thing. I mean, especially, again, as you're working on, on teams, there's some people who love to meet. Like, let's meet. Let's get together. Let's meet. Let's talk about this. And that's not bad. But imagine if you're on multiple committees and multiple work teams and you try and do everything face-to-face, that'll slow you down tremendously versus saying, okay, let's everyone sort of contribute stuff, put it all online, and then review it, and then to hash out the final details or to come up with the final product, let's meet and talk about it. There's differences, but even like the stuff online, like I get really frustrated when I'm working with teams and, and so we send out everything ahead of time, we do a conference call and it's clear that one or two of the members hadn't read the stuff and they're reading it right there and I'm like, well that wastes my time and wastes other people's time who did read it, who are ready to jump in and have a quick 15 minute conversation about it and this other person is like, okay, what's the discussion gonna be about today? And it's a waste of the time, yeah. And again, these are microcosms of what happens in organizations working on teams is that you have competing values. Like some people are like, this is good enough, let's just send it out. And other people are like, wait, let's let's slow down this process, let's talk about it, how do we feel about it? Is this really reflect who we are as an organization? And so it's a much longer process and it's a much more involved process. And so you have competing values and priorities. And in one way, I would almost say that it's actually, that's the value of a team, is that you actually have people who are prioritizing different things, and the challenge then is negotiating. But I think the end result is actually better if you have a balance of people. Like some people who are like, let's just crank it out. Some people who are like, well, let's use the process to our benefit. What are the ways that you manage these differences? So sort of like what Antonio was saying, or Brandon was saying, or even what you were saying, Shelby, of like, you have different styles. What have been ways that you guys have typically managed or dealt with these differences? Like when you when you bump up against someone that does it different from the way you want to, 
how have you handled it? Yeah. I think you have to have the patience, and I think you have to have the ability to adapt. Okay. And so a lot of times, in my opinion, like professionally, it's good to, as long as they're not like completely wrong, uh -huh. it's good to be able to step down and maybe let another person act as they are, you know, okay. or do how they're doing. I mean, if it's not really affecting, if it's going to result in a negative outcome, then maybe have a conversation with them. But mm -hmm. the big thing is patience if you're managing anybody or anything. Well, and it depends if you're a, a high control freak, which I probably am a high control freak. Like, I, I have high quality control. Like, I want to make sure it's done this way, and so it's hard. I mean, I think that's obviously admirable that if you can sort of be like, chill about it and be like, okay, let's go with this style, even though it's different from mine, but it's, you know, it's not wrong, it's just different. But if you're a person where you're like, no, I, I need to be involved in this process, it'd be hard to do what Shelby said, of like, you do this part, you do this part. It's like, no, I want to be involved in each part. So one is, yeah, being adapted. What were you going to say? I think first and foremost, you need to, everyone in the group needs to recognize that there is a problem within group and to try and find a way in order to find a solution to the problem. So that's what I would start off with. It's sort of just acknowledging. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, because some people may say, you know, we have a problem in the group, but not everybody might, not everybody would agree. So mm -hmm. um, I think first, everybody needs to take a step back and just to try and overlook the situation and to be able to understand that there is a problem that needs to be solved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So identifying that, hey, we keep bumping up to this, this issue and we're not, we need to figure out a way to, to move through it versus like having it continue to hold us back. And that actually, I'm going to go to this part of, of dealing with conflicts and differences. Can you guys think of specific <coughs> conflicts or differences that you've encountered in the workplace, whether it be working on a team or just in the workplace where you've had a conflict or just difference with a colleague or a coworker where you just, it's conflict and it needs to be addressed or dealt with. Any examples? Have you? Have I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see, you want an example from me. Let's see. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I have, a, I have a good conflict. I had a colleague who was a dreamer. Like, so we do plans for like our programs and activities and we just, like we'd have a, let's say a big retreat where we're going to bring in a bunch of uh, volunteers. And, you know, we just need to plan the weekend retreat. And, and he would sit there and say, you would just throw out all these outlandish plans that we couldn't afford, that weren't, that weren't realistic, but he was a dreamer. And, and I'd be like, I was much more pragmatic and I just wanted to like, you know, just let's get the schedule. And when are we gonna do the, the meals? And when are we gonna do like the different events? And uh, that was one example, but it came up with everything that we did and the meetings would just take forever. And I just got frustrated all the time. And he got frustrated because I shutting him down with his, with his ideas. And so when I talk about conflict, it actually isn't a right or wrong type of thing typically. It's just differences, but we feel it as if it's sort of not a betrayal, but like a violation. Like you're messing up this process. You're messing up this meeting. You're messing up the way that I like to do things. And so what I want to walk through is like a process that you can engage in in terms of a healthy way of dealing with conflict or differences. And some of you already sort of touched on this, but the first is to address the person directly, individually, and face-to-face. -face. And I put all those things in there specifically. And the first is just address them directly, 
like go directly to the person that you have the difference with or that you have the conflict with. And our tendency is, rather than going directly to the person, is to go to a friend or another coworker and complain about this person. And to say, you know, and sort of almost in an implicit or a side way of like gaining allies to build your case so that, yeah, isn't that person terrible in how they do it? And so you build up sort of this, this faction to bring people onto your team against this other person. Whereas in reality, a healthier way to do it is if you have a difference with a person, go to them directly and go individually, like just go, you know, set up a time to just meet with them and meet with them face to face versus another tendency we have is to fire off an email. Like, you know, you have this pent up sort of angst regarding this person and something pushes you over the edge. And so you write this email and you just send it off to them. Or worse yet, you send like a tweet or a group mail that goes to everyone beyond just that individual. And that's just not healthy. So again, going to them directly, individually, and face to face. And in a way to do it sometimes is just you can send an email saying there's a concern that I have in regards to our working relationship regarding scheduling or something. Is there an opportunity where we can get together and talk more about this? So you can send an email to set up, you know, the time to get together, but say, you know, reserve the actual conversation to meeting face-to-face with the person. The next step is like, say you meet face-to-face, say Antonia meets with someone, the other person in the band library, and you talk about this, and you just keep missing, you don't see eye to eye. Then the next step would be bring up the unresolved issue together with other team members. So in Antonia's case, you know, it would be, okay, we're not working well here, and you and I talking isn't sort of, we're not coming to an agreement, so let's bring in the third librarian, or just as a, as a team, let's sort of talk about how we can work well together as a team. Like, there's been misses, we're not sort of a smooth functioning operation. So within the team, you sort of come up with how can we address this or how can we deal with this? And then if that doesn't work, the final step is seeking counsel or mediation from your boss or from a supervisor. And that's, so again, this is like a stepwise process. Our tendency is to talk to our colleagues about that problem person or to go directly to the boss and tattle on that problem person. And you think of both those dynamics you think they're effective, but they undermine sort of trust and working together. Because I guarantee you if, you, if you go to the boss and sort of say, hey, this person hasn't been carrying their weight, and yet you've never even talked to that person, then that person sits there and is like, where did this come from? Like, I had no idea. And again, it's often not a right or wrong thing. It's just a difference. But we view it as right or wrong, black or white, like this is this person's a violation, when in reality it's just they're approaching it differently. Have any of you had experiences where you've dealt with conflict and either it's gone well, and you're like, wow, this actually played out well, or others where it blew up yet? Uh, so over the summer, I had, it was a girl who was my supervisor, uh-huh. and she happened to be around the same age as I was. And I kind of felt like I had more experience than her because I've worked there longer and this was her first year doing it. And she used to be so rude and mean sometimes when the kids would get a little rowdy and they kind of got on their nerves. And when she always asked us to do a task, she was just, seemed like she had so much antipathy towards us. It kind of caused a big conflict. 
uh-huh. uh, between some of my team members, and we all kind of came together, and they all were talking amongst each other, talking about how, you know, how rude she is and mean, so she happened to, while we were talking, she happened to come through the door, mm-hmm. and nobody really recognized that she was walking towards us, and she happened to, you know, she happened to see that we were talking talking amongst each other, and it was kind of awkward when she came up, and somebody wanted to say something, but didn't, so I decided to, you know, I was like, man, I'm going to just try solve this the best way that I can. So I stood up and I said, da-da-da, you know, this is a big problem. And I, I felt like talking to her face-to-face was the best decision that I made. Because uh-huh. when I spoke to her, she happened to be very understanding and she said she didn't recognize that she was acting the way that she was. And I told her, I said, I understand, you know, the kids can be very wild and, you know, kind of very obnoxious and it kind of makes things hard. Mm-hmm. Because you have a boss that's telling you what to do as sure. well. So I just kind of told her, I was like, you know, maybe you can try and talk to us a different way, you know, because we understand what's going on. So maybe, you know, we can try and work something out. And actually, it happened to work out very well. Like, she understood where I was coming from. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, you know, she just happened to be better at, mm-hmm. at what she was doing. So going back to being able to talk to the person face-to-face and being able, you know, just to kind of talk to them, like, not pointing at being all rude and malicious and all. Just kind of telling her where you're coming from and just try it. Allow her to be a little more understanding. Sure. I feel like it helped out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, the, the tendency is to, to complain about it probably with your with your friends or your peers. And that feels good, sort of, but it doesn't do anything to address the issue. You know, because if anything, it just sort of riles you up even more because the other people say, yeah, that's horrible, that's terrible. And meanwhile, this person is maybe wandering around oblivious to what's going on. So when you think about this idea of dealing with conflict or differences, it's going to be a reality of whatever workplace you go into, of colleagues that you work for, not only in your work life, but even in your personal life. You think about conflict in marriage or relationships and what are healthy ways to handle it. And we're probably aware of a lot of the unhealthy ways or ways that we try to address it that just don't go over well. And it seems like some of these are the idea of sort of walking through a process and dealing with it directly with the person face to face and then slowly bringing in other people is a healthier way that's more likely to see a beneficial outcome. The other aspect of this is you'll always be asked to do performance evaluations of your boss, of your peers, of your subordinates. And it's a common practice in organizations. And so you fill out these evaluations and a lot of times what people do is they reserve all of their pent-up stuff for the evaluation and they just unload you know and it doesn't matter if it's necessarily the boss or a peer or a subordinate but they there's just things that they've been feeling about this worker and so they write it all in the evaluation and my challenge to you would be I think that's unhealthy that if you haven't talked with that person about it directly and for the first time to sort of go public with it is to do it through an evaluation. It doesn't serve that person well, and it it can create significant risks. And and I would challenge you, whenever you're doing evaluations, that you think, okay, have I told this person about this before you write it down on there? And and not only negative things, but also positive things, because the tendency is to not tell people, yeah. What if you're working in a close environment and you told them and you talked to them they didn't agree with you or it didn't work out and you don't want to tell your supervisor because you don't want to be because it's obviously you cold and then you have to work with that person 
in close quarters. I see. Well, I mean, part of it, so it depends, like if it's an evaluation, like an example of an evaluation would be this person is always late and oftentimes skips meetings without warning. And that just hinders our operations as a team and as an organization. And so I could write that on the evaluation, but if I've never, you know, gone to the person and said, hey, you know, I've, I've noticed that consistently you, you show up late or that you don't come to meetings, is there a reason for this? You know, it's, it's become more of a pattern. Is there a reason for this? And what you might find out is, oh my gosh, you know, my daughter has been deathly sick and we've been going, racing around town going to doctor's appointments. Oftentimes she can't even go to childcare because she's too sick and so I need to stay at home, but I'm just too overwhelmed. And you're like, oh, you know, I, I had no idea. Whereas if on the evaluation, you just put, yeah, this person shows up late, they're flaky, they don't care. You know, again, it's wrong to show up late, but I think the, the value of it is talking with the person. And so, again, these evaluations you're going to do all the time. You don't have to do this, but I would say if, if you haven't talked to the person directly about it, then I would do that before you sort of put it in writing and submit it to the supervisor or the person that's in, in charge. In terms of career workshop, what are some of the subsectors or types of organizations that you would like to work for? So if you think about just your career aspirations, what are the different subsectors that you're interested in, in working in? Yeah. I kind of want to work in like the healthcare part. Okay, so healthcare, whatever. Yeah, music, music slash art, sustainability, sustainability, like environmental sustainability. Uh, yeah, and like resource, just sort of like recycling kind of. Okay. Entertainment. Entertainment. Other stuff. Yeah. Community development. Okay. Community and other subsectors. Any others? And you think, okay, I want to get a job in in this field, this area. Yeah. Leadership development. Okay. And what sector is that? Okay, so that'll be good. So that, that's a good good transition. So you have these sectors, and then within every sector are these functional areas. So functional areas would be like leadership development, finance, marketing, fund development. What are some of the functional areas that you see yourself fitting well in? Does that make sense? So you have subsectors, which are these, I'll say, industries, and then within each industry, you have different functional areas that are needed to, to run this. So like marketing, fund development, leadership development, yeah. accounting, what other functional areas? Operations. Operations. Community outreach and development. Okay, so outreach. Any other functional areas where you're like, oh, that's that's my thing. Yeah. Special events. Special events. Okay, event planning. So one of the reasons why why I do this is, in a sense, there's there's multiple sectors that you can go in, and you sort of gravitate towards one or the other, and you say, okay, this is what I want to do. Or you're someone who's more oriented towards the functional areas, like fund development is your thing. You're less specific about what area in which you do fund development, but you want to do fund development. What was talked about in work is the KS. AOC. I don't know how this sort of stuck, but this is sort of a term within the industry of like, what are the knowledge, skills, abilities, and other competencies? When you're putting together your resume, what it is on one level is a grid for the knowledge, skills, abilities, and other competencies because it, it'll line up with the job posting. Like you'll notice that they sort of follow, the, follow that grid as well in that, you know, sort of what is the knowledge that you have, sort of what's the academic training or the 
the experience that you have, the skills are the technical skills. So like whether it's like software technical skills or specific accounting skills or like public speaking, like any type of technical skills that you have. And the third one is the ability. And that's what I would call like the relational aspects of like managing, leading, anything that's sort of related to people within an organization, things that you've done, like if you've led a team of people or if you reorganize leadership development programs within your organization, or even sort of like the event planning is what are all the different abilities that you bring to the table? If we had more time, you could kind of go through and say, well, what are the different KSAOCs for the specific jobs that you want? And the challenge is, is, you know, especially if you're in college, you have limited experience. And the challenge is how do you translate the stuff that you have done in a volunteer basis or on a small scale basis? How do you translate that into what they're looking for in the actual job? So if you say like, babysitting or childcare, that might seem like, oh, well, that's not even really job experience. But if you say, why well, I organize, you know, you talk about the YMCA, you talk about the actual things that you did, you can translate that into something that's translatable to the actual job that you're applying for. We'll, we'll end that with here, but basically some of the, these are some of the things that come up in working on teams and working with organizations.